Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss Parliament Funkadelic. What you are about to hear is deeply disturbing. A good evening. Uh, do not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. We have taken control as to bring you this special show. Uh, we will return it to you as soon as you are grooving. Uh, Dr. Funkenstein here. Preoccupied and dedicated to the preservation of the motion of hips. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. For y'all have knocked her up. Free your mind and your ass will follow. The kingdom of heaven is within. I dig. Let me put my sunglasses on. That's the law around here. You got to wear your sunglasses. From Jimi Hendrix, there were virtually no black rock artists. So in 1969, George Clinton set out to change that. He took the funk and married it with psychedelic rock. He called it Funkadelic, acid rock with a huge dose of funk. Well, all right. This is Donnie on the late, 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 late night edition of the Untitled Podcast. I have several shows lined up, mostly ready to go. Some of them perfectly ready to go, and they will go out soon. But sometimes I get a wild hair. Something will happen that will make me want to do a show right away or get to it sooner, and it kind of bumps ahead of the line. And this was one. Parliament Funkadelic. Product of a strange genius named George Clinton. George would say something like, Open your mind and relax, and let us make love to your ear hole. So that's what I'm going to try to do tonight. I hope you're on the pill. If you will suck my soul, I will lick your funky emotions.
tell you about really cool music that you might not know. Now a lot of people know Flashlight. They know references and pieces of songs, Atomic Dog. You know a whole hell of a lot more than you realize you know if you listen to any hip-hop because these guys are also one of the most sampled groups along with the James Brown of course and the Temptations and Slide and Family Stone. Everybody's got a little light under the sun. I mean that's that's really where his music is. You got to really get into it and dig it. So I want to say uh, George I love you and and I'm happy to be here to induct you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm not a super expert, but I've been a fan since I was a kid. I thought of them as the Black Kiss. The first album I bought was The Brides of Funkenstein. I bought it purely for the cover. I would buy it again purely for the cover.
And yet that record's not in the top five of what I really love with Parliament Funkadelic. I still love the cover, though, but you have to go backwards from that record. George Clinton wanted to have a lot of side projects, sort of like Prince, where he would have his spin-off groups. It wasn't unusual that people would do that once they got a bit of fame. They'd be able to take advantage of that by having another popular artist kind of riding their coattails. But the primary groups, about the time of that Brides of Funkenstein record, were kind of getting closer and closer together. And when they would tour, they would tour as one group. They would call themselves P-Funk, and they would put on a hell of a show. Oh, we're standing, oh, well, oh, well, we're almost standing amidst thousands of worshiping P-Funk fans, waiting for the Holy Mothership. She promised to bring them the P-Funk. You got a real like going to a KISS concert, but now in retrospect and also having seen the Flaming Lips, it was sort of like that. It was more like that. It was um, weirder than KISS. You know, KISS does kind of expect explosions and cheers and all this stuff, and Parliament Funkadelic Live was, you didn't know where the band started and the audience stopped. Like, it was just mayhem, but this very groovy mayhem. And those shows would go on for hours, and people would come out of there worn out, but the band... They always played like three hours a night or something. Well, all right. So as I've mentioned, this is all the brainchild of George Clinton. He was born in Kannapolis, North Carolina, which is not far from where I sit right now. And in addition to Parliament Funkadelic, he's produced albums for Bootsy Collins. <laughs> Styly for Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it's not one of their greatest records, but I think it helped them develop a lot for what they wanted to do, and I think they learned a lot. George Clinton has appeared as cartoon characters and been cartoon voices. He actually has worked with a lot of the artists who've sampled him. Well, all right. 
in 2009, he was inducted to the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame. And I haven't been there, but now I want to go. And he's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is totally appropriate. Well, all right! George really jumped into the game with a group called the Parliaments. little bit I've heard was the I Testify single. But George started joining the counterculture. It felt more at home since uh, Sly Stone had kicked down some doors. There was a lot more integration in the counterculture and more open-mindedness and artisticness in general. And so part of that culture is the drug culture. So he started smoking pot and taking LSD. When in the studio and you free your mind, your ass would follow all in one day, tripping out of one acid. Those first four or five Funkadelic records are the most esoteric, bizarre, experimental takes on what R&B could be imaginable, you know? I mean, because they're full of parody and they're full of satire, but then they're full of, like, this amazing musicianship. During these LSD trips, he would talk about how he wanted to have a band that was more rock. He was really enjoying things like Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. He loved Tommy, Jimi Hendrix. They could play anything, but that's what they wanted to do. When they started putting out Funkadelic Records, the first three are that, as you what you might expect. Black guys who have a funk background playing rock music on acid. And that's a pretty apt way of putting it, but not a bad way to explain it other than, and it's really good. What is so? There's a joint rolling toilet paper. (laughs) And then sometime in this time frame, George and super bassist Bootsy Collins were driving to Detroit and they encountered a UFO and claimed they weren't taking any drugs at the time. So with all of these combinations of psychedelic influences, Funkadelic grew from what had been their role as the backing band for the Parliaments. But now you had guys like Bootsy Collins and Eddie Hazel and Bernie Worrell in the band, and they wanted to Funkadelic as the driving band that was more serious and complex and heavier, weirder stuff. You know, they wanted to be sort of psychedelic, progish type band in the vein of Jimi Hendrix. <laughs>
and Sly Stone as well. Later on, George Clinton would come to hate disco. He felt like these things were just too limiting, and they really took out the one. The one beat is essential in funk, and when you take it out, you just got four on the floor. That is disco. That's why drum machines would be used in songs, because there wouldn't be any variance in the beats. You would set it up to do a disco beat at whatever rate that is, 85 something, and that's the basis of all the songs. Well, with funk, there's a lot more room for light using the spaces. There's a lot more ways to, like, hit a note, but somehow make it into a force that drives the next beat. These are some of the things I'm sure they got from jazz and brilliantly from limitations they had. I'm really going to stick primarily to the first three albums from both groups. I will talk about the later albums, and, and the later albums are much more successful. Just the uniqueness of this psychedelic soul era. If you listen to the first Parliament album and the first Funkadelic album, it's two forms of psychedelic music. Funkadelic's first three records, to me, are much more consistent. They culminate with Maggot Brain. to be enjoyed in one city. Listen, active listening to this thing. You're not going to pop this in your car, not knowing any of these songs, and get anything out of it. It wouldn't be fair. Funkadelic maggot brain. You can't miss the cover. And I'm just going to talk about the ones I have first. America Eats Its Young. And I was disappointed. It goes so hard the other way. This is where Funkadelic was really starting to turn into Parliament. And I felt like I was losing something. I didn't feel like Parliament was gaining. I felt like Funkadelic was losing. The Funkadelic records didn't sell anywhere near as much as what the Parliament records. The Parliament records had, you know, the hooks and the hits. One Nation Under a Groove. I think that was the most 
successful selling Funkadelic record of them all. I think so. It does have a lot of great stuff on here. It has another version of Maggot Brain, and it has One Nation Under a Groove, who says a funk band can't play rock. This was pretty popular, but it's just outside of the realm of what I consider the most classic Funkadelic stuff. Now, now with my Parliament records, I've got Mothership Connection, and that's a must. Tether it off, we gonna tether it off the mother sucker. Tether it off the sucker. Tether it off, we gonna tether it off the mother sucker. Tether it off the sucker. Tether it off, we gonna tether it off the mother sucker. Tether it off the sucker. Tether it off, we gonna tether it off the mother sucker. You know all the songs on here if you've listened to hip-hop at all. I mean, every single song in here has been sampled in multiple times. Uh, I would say Ice Cube probably took a hell of a lot off this. Digital Underground, for sure. Uh, I know the Beastie Boys have cut some of this. The Chronic, Dr. Dre, that's has got a shitload of Parliament Funkadelic. But I'm reading you a quote here from George Clinton. In 1996, he said, sure, sample my stuff. Ain't a better time to get paid than when you're my age. You know what to do with money. You don't buy as much pussy or drugs with it. You just buy some. I thought that was awesome. Funkadelic, the first album. I'm team Funkadelic. And probably the best thing off of here is I Bet You. Good start. And the next album title is going to remind you of a very popular song that was getting its idea from this title. This is called Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow from 1970. Freedom is free of the need to be free. Free your mind and your ass will follow. The kingdom of heaven is within. This was another piece of the puzzle that was coming together for Funkadelic. Quote is that George Clinton's inspiration for the album was to see if he could cut a whole album tripping on acid. All right, now I'm talking about Maggot Brain. This is, I think, be all and end all of, of uh, Funkadelic. This came out in 71. It features, among others, uh, Eddie Hazel. Eddie was a badass guitar player. If you grew up listening to his records, you had to see him as Ace Frehley, how I'd see somebody. Eddie Hazel was a character. The strange thing about this record, and this will be the first thing you notice, is the first track is Maggot, and it's ten minutes long, which is almost twice as long as any of the rest of the songs except uh, the very last one. And it is a guitar instrumental. It's beautiful, and it's dark at the same time. It's just strange to put it 
first. That to me sounds like an end of a side kind of song, but I love the fact that when I get the record and I put it on, that's what I get to hear first. And then eventually you get down to, you know, on side two, super stupid and, you know, that. And it's just, it's not like, like there's no movable parts here except for uh, guitar. <laughs> I think Cosmic Slop's a pretty good one. I like it better than America Eats Its Young. America Eats Its Young, I'm, maybe I'm influenced by the artwork. It just looks more like a commercial band because on this record, they start using um, artwork by a guy named Pedro Bell. And his artwork and stuff was pretty twisted, psychedelic and weird and dark. And it was it's very interesting. It made the records look more like they sounded than America Eats Its Young. And then standing on the verge of getting it on, a Funkadelic. 
this one I love, Let's Take It to the Stage. My favorite song off here is Get Off Your Ass and Jam. Take that back. My favorite song is Baby, I Owe You Something Good. So for the most part, 1976 kind of started a time where music was changing. There's lots of good stuff going on, but it was just a slow steering away from, I guess, LSD, which fell out of favor. I don't know, maybe having money, but almost every album after this for Funkadelic has been some put-together record, or like a posthumous record almost, or, or outtakes, b-sides, compilations, just kind of weirdly put-together stuff. And then, boom, you know, One Nation Under a Groove, you know the song. Good record, good album cover. And the next record is Uncle Jam Wants You from 1979. I remember seeing this in the record store. And I'm just not as into it. It's strange how there, there'll be something missing, whatever it is. And what it is from here and this point forward is Eddie Hazel. There's just not enough guitar, and the two bands started to merge together. Oddly enough, it was usually Parliament having the hits, and it seemed like Funkadelic was suffering. Maybe the attention given, or uh, the time, or just, you know, the reality of, you know, what was going on with it financially.
So going back to talking about Parliament, the first Parliament record is as psychedelic as Funkadelic record. It's definitely psychedelic soul. So they put out an album called Osmium, and then the band began to change by adding Bernie Worrell, as I'd mentioned before, Bootsy Collins. Started to really build that as a money-making unit, as the commercial side of things. See, I always thought Parliament must be the psychedelic side, and Funkadelic be the funky side. But the emphasis is on delic. Funk is in there, but Funkadelic, you know, the delic is like the secret sauce. Delic is what separates strange people from normal people. The delic is what makes Funkadelic be closer to psychedelic. So Parliament ended up getting a record deal on Casablanca Records, and the significance is that's the label where KISS was. So the two biggest money-making groups for them were almost like KISS and the Black KISS. And for a while, they were both just bringing the dough for them. It would have been wild to see like a KISS and Parliament tour. That would have been insane. So then the next album, Up for the Downstroke, uh, started a trend more towards that more commercial side. <laughs> And then when you get to Chocolate City, then you're kind of all in with what Parliament's about. It didn't get as sci-fi yet, but the characters were starting to come together. The theme, the feel, you know, having a concept for the records, and they were getting pretty good reviews. Chocolate City is another one. I was on in the record store the other day when I was in, and I had just forgotten. It's an awesome party record, too. So if you've ever listened to James Brown, you hear him call out for Maceo all the time. Maceo! Well, Maceo Parker and Fred Wesley both left James Brown's backup bandage to get on the mothership. Swing low. Time to move on. Light years and Ahead of our time. Free your mind to come fly with me. It's hip on the mothership.
this is Parliament's next phase. Uh, the album's called Mothership Connection. It came out in 75. He wanted to take black people to space. And this album, the concept of the album is so bizarre. And it starts to build upon this sort of uh, mythology that he's put together. It's almost having like Marvel Universe or something. It's just his own thing. And he comes up with characters from it and plot lines. And he kind of uses it as, as to grow the theme of each different record and the kind of lyrics that that record is going to have. And it was called the P-Funk Mythology. And there's all kinds of characters. It's like Digital Underground, like I said, were so into Parliament that they adapted a lot of that mythology and used it and grew up off of it with their own characters, uh, particularly on sex packets. And Mothership Connection is sort of the, the high watermark for Parliament and Funkadelic. It's a really great record. The whole concept works well chaotic and also well managed at the same time it's it's a bizarre way of you know having so many people on the stage and so many people coming and going in the band and then putting on this giant show i just can't imagine who would be the people behind making that happen because those guys ugh, i could imagine that it would be a hell of a thing to have to deal with so the next one was i think the first parliament record i owned and i bought it purely because because of the cover the Clones of Dr. Funkenstein, 70. And it is dense, weird, and funny. And it just... When you finish listening, and back then I'd listen to headphones in one sitting, I went into a different space listening to that record. So, be forewarned. Funk upon a time. In the days of the Funkopus, the concept of specially designed Afronauts capable of Funkatizing galaxies was first laid on man-child, but was later repossessed and placed among the secrets of the pyramids until a more positive attitude towards this most sacred phenomenon, clone funk, could be acquired. There in these terrestrial projects, it would wait along with its co-inhabitants of kings and pharaohs, like sleeping beauties, for the kiss that would release them to multiply in the image of the chosen one, Dr. Funkenstein. And funk is its own reward. May I frighten you? The live P-Funk album, Earth Tour, came out in 77, and I think it failed to capture... I don't see how it could possibly capture the show anyway. It made me kind of want to be there, but I didn't want to listen to it from the parking lot. And as things have gone along with Funkadelic and Parliament, Eddie Hazel is just slowly fading out of the picture. You'll even see his names on credits, but he's not playing guitar, or he's not playing very much guitar. And so he put out a solo album in 77, and it has been a cult album forever. There was a TV show in the 90s. It was like a cop show, one of those you know things like Ice T's. And it was two roommates, and one roommate had killed the other one for scratching his Eddie Hazel album. And they made him go to jail. I mean, what kind of... The dude scratches Eddie Hazel. What about the assault by shooting charge in 84? He went down three years for that. In that bitch, he needed to get shot. I loaned him my Eddie Hazel album, and he's gonna put it in the back of his raggedy cut and it's a 100 degree day. Eddie Hazel album? Mm -hmm. Collector's item. Yeah, I guess the guy had it coming in there. <laughs> 
Game Dames and Guitar Things is the name of the album. A lot of covers on the record, and some of them seem so perfect for what he's doing. He does a cover of I, I Want You, She's So Heavy. If you had told me, Hey, Eddie Hayes is thinking about songs to do for a solo album. You got any ideas? I would say I Want You, She's So Heavy by John Lennon and Paul McCartney of the Beatles. <laughs> That's the first and only Eddie Hazel solo album. He died as a young man, 47. So in like 1982, George Clinton started making a move towards being a solo artist. Everybody liked him as a producer, and they wanted to work with him. So that's how he ended up with uh, Chili Peppers. He worked with Primal Scream. But the only album of his that I really know anything about is Computer Games. Uh, He put that out in 82, and it sounds like a slick version of uh, Parliament and included the song Atomic Dog. But that's P-Funk and George Clinton, and the most unusual soul artist and unusual artist in general. You know, they didn't invent funk, but they took it to outer space. I know what you can do. Let us lay some funk on you. Funk. Funk is a sensation. It's very worthwhile investigation or submersion into George Clinton's particular batch of funk. Produced by Donnie Shattuck.